We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jess, are you ready for rapid fire? After all that, I didn't think it could get more fun, but it is time for <laughs> rapid fire. That's right. Here we go. So Tobias Merriweather has been named a breakout player for the season by Athlon Magazine. So what does a minimal breakout season look like for Tobias Merriweather in your eyes? A minimal 40 catches, 500 yards, and five touchdowns. That's minimal for me. It's I think like three I might... and a half catches a game, right around you know the half half. A, a lot of people were saying the a thousand yard mark was too much. I think seven fifty is a realistic goal, but if you undersell it and go minimal, that I think that's where he drops down to kind of five hundred, and then a touchdown every other game. You would hope with his you know big size, he'd be the guy to get a lot of maybe goal line jump ball fade kind of routes. So that's where I kind of sat with everything. Yeah, it's interesting because like. Lorenzo Styles last year, 30 catches, 340 yards, just one touchdown. Like, was that a breakout season? Absolutely not. No. But for Tobias Merriweather, if he had those numbers, would that would you still consider that a breakout season? No. Or does he have to do – I mean, you kind of outlined – and I'm thinking the same thing as well. I'm thinking like minimal 40 catches – 500 yards, and, and I think, what'd you say, six touchdowns? I would five agree with touchdowns. that. Yeah, five plus touchdowns is kind of what I'm looking at. And like, if he has 500 yards with 40 receptions, that's 12 and a half per catch. I think it'll, you know, if it's 600 yards with 40 receptions, it's 15 yards per catch. And I think his per catch, again, we were talking about when we were talking about the offensive players earlier, I think his yards per reception is going to be up there. And maybe some of the other guys, you know, are like, you know, the bigger reception, you know, type guys. But if he has 35 catches for 600 yards, that's 17.1 per reception. And that's, you know, like even like, would you, would that be acceptable if the receptions are even a little bit lower, but the yardage is more and he's, and he's taking the top off defenses. Um, I think for me, I, I, I like more of a reception guy. You know, I know that not everyone's, um, like that but to me production especially at the college level you're just getting open and you, you have the catches whether or not they're five yards 10 yards 20 yards like and I know certain routes are designed for certain you know positions of wide receiver on the field but again 
I still think with Sam Hartman uh, at quarterback, he's just looking for guys that are going to be open. And so I'm going to go more so with receptions. I think the ball is going to be divvied out pretty equally over this season. I do too. I think it's going to look up as we've talked about, I think it's going to look a lot different this year and you hit it on the head. He's going to find guys who are open. Sam Hartman's not going to lock in on one particular guy. Like this, this is a guy who knows how to go hit through his progressions. Yeah. There might be a primary on the play, but if the primary is not there, I think he's going to find the guy who's open. So I think we're going to see a, you know, a lot of these, you know, many more of these guys, like, 40 might be the starting point. Like we're going to see a bunch of them around that range. So I can easily see in the, you know, like 45 catches, 600 plus yards for Tobias Merriweather. And that's kind of what I think would be a breakout for him. It's it, it definitely can't be in that 30 catch range. I think it's going to be a lot more than that. You know, and I think he's going to have a lot of highlight type plays as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Micah Shrewsbury told John Rothstein of CBS Sports that he wants to do something to showcase Notre Dame basketball in the state of Indiana every year against either Purdue, IU, or Butler. He wants to do something, put something together in Indiana in lieu of the now-defunct Crossroads Classic that, of course, used to take place every year in Indianapolis. So do you buy or sell this? What would this look like to you putting something together? Like how how necessary is this, I guess, first of all, in your eyes? I find it to be really necessary because I'm a big fan – of rivalry type games and i think that in basketball when you have the ability for an expanded schedule especially kind of early on the season you know with your non-conference games and Notre Dame playing the acc uh playing in the acc obviously it's it's tough to kind of schedule those teams in the you know later portion of the season but i think it would be really cool to do you know you know a lot of these teams do like the maui invitational Etc. at the beginning. I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but maybe in between that and, you know, like some sort of like holiday classic where you get all of the, the Indiana schools together and you play, you know, maybe some sort of form of like a, a mini tournament. You play like a round robin and then have like a championship match or you just do, you know, two semis and then the winners play each other in some sort of championship. And it's deemed kind of like the, the crossroads, you know, Indiana champion or something like that. It just along those lines, I think it's a good idea where you could play, you know, some of those teams early on and, and they're both usually all 
you know, relatively solid team. So it helps your out of conference schedule. Um, and and it, it's a good kind of stretch of games before you would have to start your conference schedule. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they did the Crossroads Classic for 11 years. Notre Dame was four and seven in the Classic. And of course, they played, you know, they alternated between Indiana and Purdue every year. They never played Butler. And that's, that's a thing like Mike Bray never wanted to play Butler. And part of that was because, you know, Butler was better than them for a while. And I, you know, so I think that it, it, it kind of came down to that. I just don't know. Like, it seemed like the crossroads really lost its buzz, you know, because it was for Indiana. It was either going to be Butler or Notre Dame every year for Purdue. Same deal. Butler, Notre Dame. And, I think part of the the stinking is it, in it is like Notre Dame never got to play Butler. I just don't know. Like, would you do it on home courts? Like, I don't know what else you know where else there is to go because these are the you know the four most major basketball programs in the state. Obviously, you have Indiana State and IPFW, but it serves Notre Dame no benefit and these other schools no benefit to be playing them all the time. Like, it's almost like you know you do like the the like the Indiana challenge or something where, you know, like maybe you're playing either you play all three of them every year because Indiana is already going to play Purdue. So that all they've got to do is add Notre Dame and Butler. Either you play all three of them or you just rotate, you know, through with like a home and home, you know, that, that, that yeah. kind of rotates over the years. And then that's kind of what you, what you'd have to do. You either have to play them all at once or it's not like you can just pick and choose playing one of them or two of them in some sort of like classic. I think you play all of them or you like you said, you rotate like Butler home and home and the next year IU home and home and the next year Purdue home and home, yeah. etc. Between that kind of pool of four, you're just rotating between home and homes amongst the, the four of them. Yeah, preseason, Chi-Town, preseason, all Indiana tournament at Hinkle Fieldhouse. I would not be opposed to that. You know, Indiana and Purdue might not want to go to Hinkle, but at the very least, like if you're Notre Dame, I think that that would be a cool opportunity. And and Shrewsbury obviously coached down there as well. He's got some connections down there. You know, one of the many problems for Notre Dame basketball, I don't want to say many, like there's this huge long list, but one of the problems is there just haven't been traditional rivalries, as you know, especially since they got away from Marquette and DePaul. They got away from DePaul because DePaul stunk for so long and you know, Marquette, they used to play both of them back, you know, in the, in the big East days before Notre Dame headed to the ACC, but like ACC wise, Boston college is the closest thing Notre Dame has to a rival. And be, because they're a private school, like the whole state of Indiana thing just really doesn't mean as much, you know? So it's like, it's, it's hard to find some, you know, some kind of true thing that that would be natural that they could, you know, sort of jump into, I guess. It's it's tough because of the lack of natural rivals. All right. This is a long one. Despite its massive $7 billion TV contract that will televise its games in primetime on NBC this fall, the Big Ten's got a little turmoil going on. According to a story from ESPN.com, there's been pushback from a number of Big Ten schools, including Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, to play those late November night games because the conference has traditionally not played night games after the first week in November because of what they say is health, recovery, 
and campus logistics reasons. So some of these schools don't want to play these night games in November. Coaches and administrators are saying former Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren never told them they'd be playing November night games before he signed this TV contract. Are these gripes legitimate, Jesse? To me, these gripes are ultimately not legitimate because, you know, every team in the college landscape plays a night game at some point. And just because, you know, it's it's a past a certain time of the year, I, I don't buy that as necessarily being the excuse. I, I just think that um, they're kind of being dramatic ultimately at the end of the day. And I get it. You don't want to get in super late after a game. But again, it's everyone has to do it. There's always late games. Um, and when I think that it if they want the maximum amount of money and that's what that contract was for the television, those games got to be in the prime time. No one wants I gripe about having to watch Big Ten. You know, the the, the big noon games suck. And I know that it, the Big Ten liked it for a long time because they're getting out ahead of early and they're the biggest game, you know, on at the earliest part of the day. But when you're redoing TV contracts, it's all about prime time television. And that's when those games have to be. So if they want the money, you can't complain about when you have to play the games ultimately. That's that's exactly it. Everyone's, you know, patting themselves on the back and everyone wants to join the Big Ten because of this big TV contract. Well, part of getting the big TV contract is there are some concessions that you have to make. If you're going to have a TV partner with your conference, there's some concessions that you've got to make. And this is one of them. Like Notre Dame plays night games almost every week in November. There are a couple afternoon games that they get, but I mean, think about it. Thanksgiving weekend on the road, playing a night game. They'll play a night game against Clemson for the second time, you know, second year in a row this November. There are multiple night games that they have to play home or away. And, you know, like campus logistics and all this stuff. It's, it's November in the Midwest. It ain't like it's 20 below zero and you're in Alaska or something, <laughs> you know, like, where you, the presidents of all these universities had to sign off on this TV contract, and they're all trying to pass the buck now to Kevin Warren, like he left him with some bad deal. Now there were, you know, some other little issues, I guess, that have come up that have kind of forced them to give some of the money back because you know little things. But in terms of playing night games, you know, again, it's like this is the world that we live in. If you are a marquee team, you've got to play some primetime games. That's what everyone has to deal with today. We talk about it every week, you know, once the season gets started, you've got to play some night games and the biggest money comes from playing those primetime games. You got this big, big deal that everyone's in love with from NBC. Well, guess what? The whole contract with NBC is primetime games. So you can't say that you didn't know you were going to have to play primetime games in November. November is part of the season. You're taking the paychecks. You got to play the games when they say you're going to play the games. It's just as simple as that. I just, I, I can't believe that, that there's this kind of whining going on after all this, you know, because again, they're trumpeting the great big 10 TV contract. You got to suck it up. That's what it comes down to. Oh yeah. So yesterday we predicted the Michigan record. For the season today, we're going to do Tennessee. The Vols have a Vegas over under win total of nine and a half this year. So here's what their schedule looks like. They start off with home games against Virginia, followed by Austin P. Then they're at Florida. Then they play UT San Antonio. 
followed by South Carolina, Texas A&M. They're at Alabama, then at Kentucky. Then they host UConn. They go to Missouri. They host Georgia. They finish off at home against Vanderbilt. The over-under is nine and a half. What's the win total for Tennessee going to be this season, Jess? Um, I think maximum nine and three and at worst eight and four. I think those are the two probable landing spots for them. I actually don't see them going over 10 wins, to be honest with you. Yeah, and ESPN, by the way, I saw today, ranked Tennessee's schedule as the 11th toughest in the nation. You know, with teams like Austin P, UT San Antonio, UConn, and UConn on the schedule, Missouri. that is the 11th toughest. Now they do have Georgia and Alabama. Okay, but I just, you know, they beat Alabama last year, high-scoring game. They got thumped by South Carolina, 63 to 38 last year. They've got a new quarterback, Joe Milton. He was actually on Good Morning Football this morning, and, and that was kind of interesting. To see, they just plastered Vanderbilt last year, the fourth straight win in the series for Tennessee. But I just see, I see three losses, Georgia, Alabama, right off the top. I don't see them beating Alabama two years in a row, unless, you know, there are some real issues down there. And Texas A&M, like, I don't think you can write off Texas A&M. And, you know, last year was like the first double-digit win season in like 15 years for Tennessee. So I see them going under nine and a half. I agree. I, I see them as a a nine and three team in the regular season this year. Yeah. So the way I broke it down is Virginia was a win. Austin PV was a win. Um, Florida was a toss up win or loss. UT San Antonio. That's a win. South Carolina. That's a toss up. Texas A&M. That's a toss up. Alabama's a loss. Uh, Kentucky's a win. Yukon's a win. Missouri's a win. Georgia is a loss and Vanderbilt is a win. So if you take that combination, you're looking at, I believe seven wins, two losses, and then three potential lot tie, you know, toss-up games. The toss-up games being Florida, South Carolina, Alabama. Yeah. I just don't see them winning all winning, those games. Winning all those games. And so that's where I immediately say they're gonna lose at least one of those three and be at that third loss and be at, you know, nine and three, eight and four. I think that they could win one of those three games. I think they could win two of those three games, but I don't think they win three of those three games. I agree. And so that's where I just think the nine and three and eight and four kind of sits at. Yep. I mean, they'll benefit from the fact that they're breaking in a quarterback at the start of the season by playing Virginia and Austin P. You know, three of their first four. You know, like even the, the Florida game was a close one last year. I think they only won that by like five points. So. Well, everyone's so high on the – oh, no, that's Florida State quarterback. Sorry, I got my quarterbacks uh, yeah. confused for a second. Yeah. In Florida. Yep. But we're in agreement. I think nine wins is the max for Tennessee. So NFL owners have voted to allow flex scheduling for Thursday night NFL games this season. The new resolution will allow the league to flip a Sunday afternoon game to a Thursday night game and move the originally scheduled game to Sunday afternoon during weeks 13 through 17 of the season. Games that are flexed must be done so on 28 days notice, so four weeks notice to flex it. Do you buy or sell this? I sell this, and I sell it as a fan, in a fan perspective. You know, there's there's people who plan out specific trips and games and days that they can do. You know, they build around vacation really out in advance. They get hotels out in advance. 
to get airplanes out in advance. That's the whole reason why you set a schedule. So you follow a schedule. So, you know, call me an old timer or whatever, but I just feel like it really <laughs> screws over some people who are like legitimately coming. This is like the only game that they could potentially make all season. They're really big fans, whatever it might be. And now if you flex it, I get it. 28 days is still a lot, but like, what if that doesn't work? What if they can't move around vacation hotels? Like there's just so many variables that yeah. you have to move. And it's not fair to someone who, again, that might be the only game that they're looking forward to going to in that season. Yeah. Like, and it's a big sell for me as well. And I see other people selling it. And obviously the NFL doesn't care about fans because I think if they had bothered to ask fans, I would guess that at least 80% of fans would say, well, get it. It all about themselves and what games can make them the most money. And what we were, what were we just talking about with the Big Ten TV partners? Yeah, and that's that's exactly it because you've got the TV partner. Now you've got to start moving games around. But if you're moving, it's one thing to to change the time of a game from mm-hmm. like one o'clock to four thirty or even eight thirty. We're changing uh, yeah. four days, right? Because like you know, you and I have been looking at that Dallas Bill, you know, Buffalo game. In December in Buffalo, it's a couple hours from where you live. It's like, can we, you know, can we make this work? Well, we've got to work around, you know, whatever happens with Notre Dame football, whatever happens with my schedule with Notre Dame women's basketball, you know, like if it would fit and all these different things. And so 28 days notice isn't going to mean anything because if we get the, you know, you get the tickets, then, you know, all of a sudden moving a game from Thursday or, you know, Sunday to Thursday and vice versa. That's a huge difference for people who actually want to travel in and see the games. So it's a massive sell. But again, they're accommodating a TV partner that's only been with them for one year because Al Michaels bitched on the air last year that he didn't <laughs> like the games, even though, you know, I'm sure that Al Michaels still cashed, cashed his multi-million dollar checks for calling stinky Thursday night games. But yeah, now, being bitter now about it. Yeah, but now we've got to flex games out because of it. <laughs> And uh, Derek had the wise comment of, I hope they flex Dallas often. I hope they flex the Detroit crappy Lions off football television permanently. That's right. Well, you know, and the other thing is, if they end up not flexing any games this season, they would roll it to next season. So this is like a one-year experimental deal, I guess. But if they don't flex any this year, they would, you know, roll it to 2024, and they would still be able to flex them. You know, and the other thing too is 28 days notice to do this also means that like, you know, like, so if you're doing it for a December 17th game, that means you've got to make your decision in the middle of November. And one of the two teams that you decide that you want to flex their, uh, their fortunes can turn really quickly. That could turn into a non-relevant game pretty quickly if they lose a couple games in a row and, and find themselves out of the playoff picture. John says all games should be played on Sunday or Monday. I don't disagree with that. I think Thursday is uh, – I think Thursday is one of the dumbest moves they've ever made, but they're making extra millions with the TV. Yeah, unfortunately, so it's all about the extra the money, money but they don't care about player safety, yep. the logistics of it, the reality of it. Like, And that's the other thing, too, is you're potentially – by doing this, there are going to be some – teams that end up playing multiple Thursday night games and other teams that end up playing no Thursday games. And that means 
you know, like if you're playing multiple Thursday games, that means short weeks rest, whereas other teams are going to get full rest more often. <laughs> Derek says, as a Lions fan living out of state, I hope they get flexed, then I can watch them. That's that's fair too. NFL approved another rule today that gives teams the ball at their own 25-yard line if the receiver makes a fair catch signal. Do you buy or sell it? I sell this in the NFL. I think it's great for the college. It's, again, a, a tier below the NFL. But, uh, and again, this is all about player safety, and I get it, you know, trying to drive down concussions and everything. But to me, if special teams are going to be a part of the game, then they need to be implemented that they can, you know, physically – that they could be accomplished. Why not bring the kickoff back five yards rather than push the the kick return, you know, out five yards. So I'm a fan of making the kickoff work because um, I think it's a vital aspect of the game and something like to me, special teams are a third of the game. And so the, the more that you take away from it, it just feels like why are we even bothering with special teams kind of as a whole? At I mean, they, in my opinion, they'd love to just get rid of the kickoff, but that's not going to happen. So this, you know, they're, they're they're going to this and you're right. College does have it. And I'll be curious to see how many NFL teams actually employ this. I know that in recent years, you have seen teams on their kickoffs either get it to the end zone or do a better job of, you know, kicking it you know, like right around the goal line and then That's being to able me, to get down there. I love watching that as a fan because you could tell who the good kickers and special teams coaches are mm-hmm. when they're trying to pin a guy kind of to a certain area right. of the field on kickoff. Like they, they kick it into kind of like in between the hash and the sideline around like the two or three yard line. Like that's a mark of a good special teams, in my opinion. Yeah, I sell it as well, but. I guess there has been, you know, an increase in concussions on kickoffs, which is why they're doing this to try to uh, to try to cut them down. Michael says Jerry Jones was the driver of Thursday night package. There's a reason Jerry Jones is in the Hall of Fame. It's it's because he made the NFL money. It's not because he's an actual, you know, (laughs) good owner of the Dallas Cowboys. It's because he's made the NFL a lot of money, you know, between the Thursday night package getting a team back in Los Angeles. Well, like the Jersey and apparel stuff too, right? Yeah. Like yeah, TV with, rights. Exactly. All that's, that's why Jerry Jones is in the hall of fame. He's in the hall of fame of making money for NFL owners. <laughs> it's not because of things that he actually did, you know, as, on a football as like level a football mind. Yeah. And I'm actually reading the Jeff Perlman book about the, uh, you know, the, the Jimmy Johnson, Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Cowboys right now. And we haven't, we haven't completely, you know, the book where I'm at so far hasn't completely gotten into the Jimmy versus Jerry stuff, but it, it's, it's obvious who the guy was making the football moves back then. It's like, uh, it's something that I've said all along. Jimmy Johnson was the guy who was actually making the football moves. Jerry Jones was in the same room. So he tried to take credit for it. And, you know, Jerry obviously has a long history of just confounding actual football moves and look at look at who's won a championship since those players have matriculated off to the hall of fame that that jimmy johnson drafted so uh, shy town says jerry did landry dirty as much as i hate to admit it you know i don't like the way it went down but landry did need to go the game had passed him up at that point 
I, I, Man, I if people want to get you going, Jerry Landry. Jones is the uh, can of worms to open. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate you being here. Smash the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, Brian and I are going to be doing a little show tomorrow. So be ready for that one. Driscoll and I together. I, rumor has it, commitment coming up tomorrow. And I think we're going to be talking about that. So we will talk to you then. Jess, good time as always. I'll talk to you later. I'm glad we had some pyramid fun today. Yes, me too. By the way, I've got a USC writer coming on Thursday. A uh, guy who covers USC. And um, we'll be talking about what's going on with our athletic director as well as post, you know, like spring football type stuff. So that's Thursday's show. And of course, we'll have rapid fire after that still. Jess, I'll talk to you later. Sounds talk good. I'm Nation's More Talk.